In our breakout and best-selling book, Looking for Angels, A Guide to Understanding and Connecting with Angels, Dr. Scott Guerin and I share how you can communicate with angels, understand signs from the universe and these celestial beings, feel at peace knowing you are always connected to source, and much more. Get your copy today at lookingforangelsbook.com, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or your local bookstore. And now you can even get the audio version narrated by me and Scott through Amazon, Audible, and iTunes. Soon after a power surge and orange and red lights begin to flash outside her New England home, a housewife is taken right in front of her family. The kidnappers are described as not of this earth. Is it an elaborate hoax or actual evidence of a close encounter of the fourth kind? This is Supernatural Matters, a psychic story original, and I'm your host, Nicole Bigley. Every other Wednesday, I'll be sharing an unexplained mystery, leaving you to ultimately decide, natural or supernatural. You can find all episodes of Supernatural Matters for free on your favorite podcast player or at SupernaturalMatters.com. And if you like what you're hearing, reach out on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at A Psychic's Story. Few otherworldly journeys have been documented and described in such detail as the infamous alleged alien abductions of a New England woman named Betty Ann Andresen. Betty was born Betty Aho on January 7, 1937, to Wayno and Ava Aho. Growing up in the suburbs of Massachusetts, Betty was always interested in art and became a self-taught artist in adulthood. She married her first husband, James Andresen, in 1954 and had seven children. After divorcing, she met Bob Luca and they married in 1978. A devout Christian, Betty spent the majority of her time with family, Bible group, and volunteering in her community. Based on her early life, by all accounts, nothing seemed to be out of the ordinary. It wasn't until January 25, 1967, that it would all start to change for Betty, and one of the most thoroughly investigated alien abduction cases ever would begin. It was an unusually warm winter evening in South Ashburnham, Massachusetts. The fog was beginning to form as the snow slowly melted. Betty was at home with her seven children, mother and father, preparing dinner. It seemed just to be like any other night, when suddenly the kitchen lights started to flicker on and off. Soon, pulsating red and orange flashes began to emanate from outside. Startled by the strange illumination, her dad approached the window to investigate, and what he saw was something none of us would ever expect to encounter in our wildest nightmares. Standing outside and slowly making their way to the direction of the house through the mist, was a group of five small humanoid creatures. As Betty tried to calm her understandably terrified children, her entire family suddenly stopped moving, as if frozen in time. It was then that the gray-like creatures, described as being between five and three feet tall, with large pear-shaped heads, wide cat-like eyes that stretched, tiny minuscule ears and noses, 
and immobile slits for mouths passed right through the walls and front door. As sheer terror overcame her, Betty's fear was soon replaced with a sense of calm, and oddly even more so, familiarity. After being told through mental telepathy that her family was safe, Betty was taken outside and brought over to a small craft that was hovering among the gray mist above the side of a sloping hill in her backyard. There were no visible seams on the silver saucer-shaped disc. The top moved silently and independently from the bottom in the opposite direction. Once on board, the unidentified flying object ascended to a larger ship during which Betty was subjected to intense physical examinations and tests done with unusually shaped equipment. Over three hours later, Betty was returned home at 10.40 p.m., where she found her family still in a state of suspended animation. Then one by one, the beings put each dazed family member to bed. Before departing, one of the creatures turned toward Betty, and the following thought was transmitted into her mind. We are here to help humanity, but people fear us. Remember that man is not just made of flesh and blood. It is because of messages like this and her Christian devotion that Betty at first interpreted her experiences to be of faith in the angelic realm. It wasn't until much later, however, that she considered them to be alien encounters. As in most alien abductions, this wasn't Betty's first encounter. Betty later recalled, under hypnosis sessions with hypnotist Raymond Fowler, that through 1977 to the early 90s, she had first been contacted when she was just seven years old, and again when she was 12. Then, when she was 13, after watching a moon-like object in the sky growing larger and larger, Betty inexplicably found herself inside a strange white room where she was being examined by three small humanoids. After the examination, Betty remembered being placed in a glass-like craft that submerged into water. Once the vessel resurfaced, she saw thousands of motionless human figures frozen inside crystallized blocks. And if that wasn't odd enough, the human figures were dressed in the clothing of past errors, almost as if preserved in time. During the later years in her life, Betty drew and painted her experiences, including the frozen human figures she saw with titles like The Museum of Time. In fact, one of the reasons that so many people have been fascinated by this case is because of the detailed art and descriptions Betty was able to produce from her memories. Once word got out about Betty's otherworldly visit, it didn't take long for people to start questioning and investigating her alleged abduction. One team that consisted of a solar physicist, aerospace engineer, telecommunications expert, and electronics engineer conducted an extensive 12-month investigation. Throughout it, they hired specialists including psychiatrists, hypnotherapists, and polygraph experts to interview and examine Betty and members of her family. They then published a 528-page report of their findings, which concluded that the witnesses were reliable, sane, and sincerely believed the experiences occurred. Aside from several members of her family bearing witness, some of the circumstantial evidence that corroborates Betty's story about her abduction that foggy night includes weather reports confirming the mist rising as a result from melting snow, a confirmed power failure in the region that evening. Medical examiners also confirmed seeing signs of what was described as scoop marks all over Betty's body, which looked similar to scars resulting in biopsy tests, yet no biopsies had been done on Betty in the human medical community. After coming forward publicly about her experiences, Betty and her husband Bob later claimed in their book, A Lifting of the Veil, that not only did they have to learn to endure close encounters of the fourth kind, but also intense investigations of them conducted by the U.S. government. 
ones that consisted of overhead helicopters, men in black, FBI visits to places of employment, home break-ins, wiretaps, surveillance, and illegal computer hacking. And while that may seem far-fetched, it might not be completely out of this world. Project Sign, Project Grudge, and the more widely known Project Blue Book were a series of studies conducted by the U.S. Air Force throughout the 40s and 60s to determine if UFOs were a threat to national security and to scientifically analyze UFO-related data. Even though the projects were officially closed by the government in the early 70s, the 20 years of investigations and the publicity that ensued had a long-lasting impression on the public at large throughout the 80s and into the 90s. Is the Andresen abduction an elaborate hoax, one concocted by multiple family members over 50 years? Or was Betty and subsequently even some of her family members actually abducted by aliens? One could argue that Betty and members of her family made everything up in an attempt to gain notoriety and make money on sales from TV appearances, interviews, and book deals. In fact, Bob Luca's son and the stepson of Betty, Robert Luca Jr., claims just that. In an online post made public on February 9, 2007, Bob Jr. wrote that when he refused to agree that he too had been abducted by aliens, that his family cut off contact with him. It was only until after his dad and Betty started rumors that he was on drugs that he decided to go public with what he calls the actual truth. According to Bob Jr., his father is a longtime alcoholic who periodically blacks out, and Betty has been brainwashed by him into believing herself to be a modern-day prophet who is visited by aliens. And the bugs that the government supposedly planted in Betty and Bob's house? According to Bob Jr., his dad planted those along with other electronics throughout their home in order to trick people into believing the unbelievable. If Betty Andresen's abductions were a hoax, it is the most elaborate UFO hoax to date. What about the year-long investigation conducted by a team of experts, the one to have concluded that Betty and her family was reliable and sane? What about other third-party confirmation reports that verify some of the activities, like the weather and regional power outage on the night of January 25th? What about those scoop marks on her body? Ask almost any American whether life exists on other planets and you'll get a resounding yes. In November 2013, based on Kepler space mission data, astronomers reported that there could be as many as 40 billion Earth-sized planets orbiting the habitable zones of sun-like stars and red dwarfs in the Milky Way. 40 billion, not million. Are we to really believe that we are the only life out there in a seemingly infinite universe? I'll leave you with an excerpt from the late Dr. Edgar Mitchell, an Apollo astronaut and the sixth man to walk on the moon. The way the U.S. government handles information about the existence of UFOs is by denial, by denying the truth, by attempting to show experiences as fraudulent as bogus. And one must wonder how better to hide something out in the open than just to say, it isn't there. You're deceiving yourself if you think it's true. And yet, there it is right in front of you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Supernatural Matters. So what do you think? Did Betty and her family create an elaborate hoax over the last 50 years, one designed to manipulate the public? Or just maybe, did Betty actually experience a close encounter of the fourth kind? Check out the photos and other evidence at SupernaturalMatters.com and head over to A Psychic Story on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter to give us your thoughts. I'll be back in two weeks with another episode. You can find all episodes of Supernatural Matters for free on your favorite podcast player. Thank you.